All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk, College Edition. Jeff here. Dan, what's up, dude? What's up, man? It's a uh, good thing. We got we got football coming around the corner right now. Kids are in, in T-ball playing summer sports, and it's just uh, a few more weeks till we get to training camp. But uh, football is right there, and um, it's just uh, it's a, it's just awesome to be back here talking with uh, with you about some some stuff and um, getting really eager. Yeah, you know I. Uh... I was talking to Brad about this too. It's like it had been so long since I had dropped a pod, and then all of a sudden pods are dropping like crazy. Here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that that is a very good indicator when it comes to real talk that football is around the corner or it's back. And in my opinion, it's back. We're here. So um, let's talk college landscape. We're gonna kind of we're gonna talk. Obviously, we're gonna talk Michigan. We're gonna talk Ohio State. But we're we're here to talk the bigger picture. Everything that's been dropping lately. Um, the biggest news of them all would be I'm going to call it a rebuttal. So you have Texas and Oklahoma, they, they dropped to the U uh, SEC, they dropped out of the big 12. And now the, the news this uh, week ago, I think it came out, you know, USC and UCLA are going to head to the big 10. So bombshell, I mean, to say the least. Yeah. And it, it, at this point it's, it, it probably offers way more questions than it does answers. And we're going to have a ton of questions ourselves and we're going to kind of ask them back and forth and, and see what our opinions are. But um, let's start here. USC, University of Southern California and UCLA, both head to the Big Ten. Initial reaction. I, I can't remember if it was on the Real Talk page or if it was your personal uh, Facebook status, but. You put it was about it was about the the subject, and I said like very plainly and simply just said that geographically, moronic, financially genius, because three time zones in one conference uh, to me is just quite ridiculous. But um, they want that West Coast market. The Big Ten does. You know they they when they got Rutgers in Maryland, I don't think they. They got the return that they were kind of initially looking for, uh, partially because of the the level, the prestige of the schools. But uh, and initially, I'm like, wow, football, and then I'm like, and maybe about basketball even. I'm like, UCLA is like North Carolina West, you know, they're always good, and you and USC is, you know, fringe between a seven and twelve tournament seat every year. So you're getting two quality basketball programs, let alone football, and. Uh, and now you got Chip Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley coming in here. This is very interesting. But, yeah, that's basically what came to my head was geographically, nah, financially, yeah. Yeah, obviously we're talking football. This is a football podcast. But, like, one of the things that's going to completely go under, under – it's not going to be talked about. It's going to go overlooked. I don't see how it's possible for Michigan soccer to play a game at Southern California or the Michigan swim team to compete against UCLA. But, you know, even the hockey squad, I don't even know if USC or UCLA have hockeys, but like asking the hockey team to travel cross country when they're not bringing in that same revenue that the football team is this, this isn't a football issue. The football, it, it is what it is. Um, the weirdest thing is going to, you know, I don't think it's going to affect Michigan. I don't think it's going to affect uh, Ohio State or some of the big schools. But you watch Illinois, Purdue, Indiana. They're going to play at 10 o'clock at night at UCLA. I, I 100% uh, 
will notch that down right now. It will happen. So it's going to suck for that fan base. They have to stay up till one o'clock in the morning to, to see their team win and or lose. Uh, but as far as the, as far as the immediate impact, I thought it was cool. initially, you know, looking at nothing else, you know, not the money, not the schedule, whatever. It's just like, we're getting USC, the university of Southern California. I don't think it's even arguable. If you put every single te- every single college football team at their absolute peak, USC's top five, arguably top three, arguably number one, when they're at their peak. If they're coming in the Big Ten, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, I don't think there's anything to necessarily be upset with when it comes to like just that. Who, what two teams are joining? There it is. As you alluded to, though, geographically, it's just like it's weird. I don't know how else to say it. It's just weird. It, do, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it's funny. How many times have we laughed about Maryland? Hmm. Maryland is the, is a hop, skip and a jump now compared to, <laughs> compared to USC and, and UCLA. So uh, it, it is a weird, a weird move. And obviously the, the PAC 12 at this point is, is, is jumbling because what happens was it even, I think it was the same day. So UCLA in UCL and uh, USC. Sorry, I'm gonna keep getting these two mixed up. They put in their bid to join the Big Ten, and I think it's the very next day or even that same day. It was accepted. They are in. They are coming to the Big Ten. Oregon and Washington immediately put in theirs as well. It, it's to my knowledge that that's probably not going to happen. Uh, it is an absolute long shot. I don't even think they're going to take just one of them. I think they're just going to hold off. It does sound like they want to add one more team, the Big Ten, but they have interest in only one team, and that's Notre Dame. Opinions on Notre Dame potentially joining the Big Ten. Um, I know you hate Notre my Dame. J- my, my jaded uh, Michigan uh, side of me want to be wants to just flip on the burn town to, to to kick rocks, but Notre Dame just makes sense, and it's just uh, it's just one of those hair pulling like eye gouging things. It's like you join the ACC in basketball, you stay out of the big 10, like Notre Dame joins the big 10. They are already in rivalry with Purdue and, you know, Indiana is in state. And then they have now USC coming in and UCLA. Like it, it just, it just makes so much too much sense, but I, you know, never know. Notre Dame is, all about their own. They, they like to be independent. They, they literally go out of their way to do the things they do, of course. So makes sense for them, for sure. And guess what? They're not three time zones away. So, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And um, no, I'm, I'm, again, I'm right there with you. Definitely, definitely cool, but uh, I'm a traditionalist. I, I, I like continuity. I like tr- – I, I just feel like college football now is, is going to be kind of feeling – too uh too strange and uh unfamiliar for me and i'm sure i'll get used to it i'll have to get used to it but um you know we don't know what the heck's gonna happen with the big 12 and pac 12 which we'll, we'll get into in a second but you know i just not you know, like you get the big 10 if it gets to 16 or 18 teams like it doesn't still make sense to call you the big 10 do you change the name i mean i don't know very very odd times <clears throat> Do you think it's safe to say 
I'm, I'm jumping way, way, way ahead here, but do you think it's safe to say that we will eventually see a big north and a big south, and it's basically going to be roughly 20 power five teams up north, 20 power, power five teams down south, and that's it. There's not going to be five conferences anymore, and it's going to be more like the NFL, and then you'll have all your substitute smaller schools in there too. But mostly, for the most part, you're going to have 20 top-tier teams up north, 10, 20 top-tier teams down south. Oh yeah, like AFC NFC type deal. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're 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 heading in that in that direction right now for sure. And uh, it's it's again it's kind of unfortunate because you you probably are going to lose traditional games you see every year. You know, just because Michigan and Ohio State are in the Big Ten, it, I mean, again, I could this could be an overreaction. Who knows? They might not play every year anymore. You don't know. And if you're a Michigan fan. I think you you probably need to look at the 2021 season and be thankful for what actually happened, not just because of what happened, but you may never see that again, that type of season, you know, the, the that Big Ten conference schedule, beating Ohio State, going to Indianapolis, you never know because with these two teams coming over from the Pac-12 right now, you never know. Maybe once that happens – I don't know when what the contract or what the deal is with the Lucas Oil Stadium being the hot spot for the uh, for the conference championship. What if they move it out west? What if it become what if it's been Pasadena for three years, you know, or five years? So uh, they're they're already talking about the Big Ten title game potentially moving to SoFi Stadium already, see, just like see, that. There, there you go. It's just it's not going to feel that Big Ten feel. It's going to be uh, a, little, a little extra cream in their coffee, you know. Yeah, I think I think the Notre Dame ad makes tons of sense on every single aspect. Um in in it I think it makes a lot of sense on Notre Dame too. Um the biggest thing from what I've from what I've listened to and what I've heard, what I've read, uh with everything with this con- conference realignment jumbling mumbo jumbo that's going on, it sounds like Notre Dame has finally reached a point where they're not actually benefiting financially from being independent any longer. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense for them to join a, t- you know, a conference like the big 10, it wouldn't make sense for them to join the ACC. It wouldn't make sense for them to join the PAC 12 or the big 12, but it would make sense on all, all grounds for them to join the big 10. So for those of you that are listening, that don't understand how the finances work in the big 10, I, I'm not going to get it perfect here. But basically, you have your blue bloods. You have your Ohio States, your Michigans. Um, I think even Michigan State probably falls in this category. Uh, Wisconsin definitely does, and I think probably Iowa. If I had to, if I had to throw another one, Penn those State. guys. Penn, oh, Penn State. Sorry, sorry. Yep, Penn State. They're driving a lot of revenue. That revenue, obviously, the smaller schools drive revenue too. That revenue is is divided. Now, the top schools get the most of it, but they're funding these smaller schools. Illinois is not getting the revenue that Ohio State and Michigan get, but they're getting some of that. They're getting a cut. And because of that, they're able to obviously create a better, I guess, working relationship. Obviously, you schedule them, you're playing them, you get to beat them, you pay them a little bit. It's kind of like scheduling a Bowling Green randomly on your schedule. Uh and at this point, Notre Dame is not getting any of that revenue share. They're getting it all, but they're just not getting the total package. And it sounds like it would actually benefit them. And they haven't 
I don't think they've really thought this all through, and it sounds like this may potentially be the best possible opportunity for them. And they would just have to ditch the the whatever the the makeshift ACC contract that they have, where they're in there for basketball one hundred percent. They get a couple of football games, and that's kind of it. So, um, I don't know. It sounds like that's the way that it's going to go. For those of you that seen the Oregon and Washington rumors, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It's not that Oregon's not a blue blood because at this point they they've kind of worked themselves into being one. They're definitely a, a top tier team. They're they're if they're not a tier one, they're definitely a top tier tier two. So, unfortunately, they're just not going to work out. And, and Washington's definitely a no. So, um, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about what's next for the Pac-12. What's next for the Big Twelve? Is this just going to be some mumbo jumbo collaboration like Lincoln Park and Jay Z type stuff, or what are you thinking? <laughs> well, uh, so what I've been reading uh, over today is you know CBS and Bleacher Report both been reporting on over the last week, obviously, because again, this news just came out of nowhere. It's not like it was leaked and then it had to get confirmed or denied, whatever, and then confirmed later. This just came freaking out of nowhere, right? This made the end of month of, or the end of June and July hot. Uh, but it sounds like, if anything, the Pac-12 is is either going to merge with the Big 12 or just cease to exist. Um, it sounds like Oregon, and this is all speculation, this is all just, you know, leaks and reports going on. It sounds like Oregon is more in play for the Big 12 than it is the Big 10. You know, initially it looked like the Big 12 looked like they were, I mean, it's not to say that they aren't completely out of the woods, but, you know, they could fold as well. But it sounds like the Big 12 is trying to get Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. But Pac-12, uh, you know, if they lose Oregon and Washington, I mean, what's the point of even being out there? I mean, 100%. Absor- absorb the Mountain West. I mean, at the, I mean, at that point, uh, your credibility is gone. And, you know, the Pac-12 already is considered to be more of the softer conference uh, next to the ACC. And it wasn't really jump-started. Until recent this offseason with Lincoln Riley, you know, getting more notoriety out there. And um, again, being on the West Coast, playing late games to the East Coast, it doesn't help your brand too too much. You know, obviously viewership goes down later in the night, but but it sounds like the Pac-12 is, you know, clinging by thread. And it kind of sucks because when I go back to earlier what I said with the, the traditions and stuff, the Big Ten, obviously – can't hold on, hold on to it forever, I guess. But, you know, the Big Ten is always win the, the conference championship, go to the Rose Bowl, play the, the Pac-12 champion, right? Obviously, that yeah. changed a little bit with the college football playoff being initiated. But um, it'll be sad to see, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for it to all play out because, honestly, at this point, now that everything's kind of I don't want to say everything's done. You get the get two of the three potential major moves. You have Texas, Oklahoma, they're out. You have uh, USC and UCLA, they're out. Notre Dame, that choice is still weighing. I guess the next biggest thing is okay. What happens with Oregon? Because like they're the only really good school that doesn't have a tie to something right now. Um, you could probably argue Clemson and the ACC, but as of right now, nobody's really tried to leave her, you know, anything from the ACC. The Big 12 did actually get uh, Cincinnati, Houston, and I forget the other school. It's escaping me, but that was already – that was a done right. deal after, after right. Texas and Oklahoma left. So 
the Big 12 is not totally done for. Um, Cincinnati was in the college football playoffs, so I don't want to completely write them out. Like they're not some, you know, trash school, but um, it is interesting where that, where that, uh, where that eventually leads us. Um, is that, uh, is that kind of it for conference realignment? What else do we have to, to add or say, or um, just on that, on that note? No, I, I think I think we hit everything that we needed to hit. But uh, again, it definitely did come out of nowhere. And um, <laughs> I, I I was looking briefly just to see. So obviously, this is 2022. Um, I pulled up the FBS future schedules. Right, 2022 mm-hmm. obviously is going to stay the same. 2023 is when they join the Big Ten. Correct? It's literally next season, right? Or is it 2024? I think it's 24. Okay, so 2023, their schedule is still intact. Uh, 2024, the schedule still shows as intact. Matter of fact, fun fact, UCL, uh, USC opens up with LSU in 2024. So if that has anything to play, they also mm-hmm. play Notre Dame that season and Oregon. Um, there's not really any changes. Even I even go out to 2026. And I'm not seeing any Big Tens on the schedule. And these are all future schedules. So it just makes me wonder what these schedules are probably trash. They're probably going to have to rewrite these. I would I would have to assume that's going to be some massive play. And another thing is, where are, what are these two schools? Are they true west? Are they east? Are they going to realign somebody again? Like who gets moved? Um, we've already kind of talked about how the Big Ten is—it's so weirdly structured because you have arguably four of the top six schools all in one side. The Big Ten East, I believe, is what they call it. Correct? Yep. Yeah. So you have Michigan, you have Ohio State, you have Penn State, you have Michigan State. Those are the four powers. And then on the other side, you really have Wisconsin and Iowa, who are traditionally battling. Northwestern obviously throws their name in the hat a couple of times, but not to be a true contender most years. So uh, while you were doing that, I was actually going on um, online to find an, I found an article on Fan Nation. And so earlier today, earlier this morning, uh, they posted a thing about at least the reason why UCLA joined the Big Ten. And it looks like it wasn't for, it uh, says it wasn't for greater profit, but one of real need. And it looks like if UCLA didn't make a move for the Big Ten, or at least another conference, that they were going to have to cut about half their sports. Looks like you know, they had problems with funding or whatever. Um, so I guess, I guess the timing was perfect for them. So at least we know that UCLA was either going to have to get rid of, you know, probably like field hockey and volleyball and stuff like that. But obviously this came and uh, right, right in the nick of time. And from what I've seen earlier in another article, the thumbnail, it looks like USC and UCLA both have hockey programs. So the Big Ten uh, conference, at least in hockey, men's hockey, um, is going to grow by two. And not every Big Ten school has a hockey program. Like Northwestern Illinois don't uh, do not, but like Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, of course, do. Uh, so adding those two, I don't know how – I don't think they're really that high in prestige-wise, but joining that the Big Ten conference is uh, obviously a feather in their cap. So um, at least we have some somewhat of a, uh, a bit of a closure – uh, thing here with uh, the Bruins. 
yeah, I think I ultimately I think it's a big move for the Bruins. I think they're going to benefit probably way more than USC is. Um, though I do think that USC automatically just from the jump goes from probably because they're going to play Notre Dame regardless, probably with the way that their schedule works out. But you'd have to imagine their only other true big games are Utah, and that's only recently, and then Oregon. You're getting Ohio State and Michigan. You're getting Penn State. You're getting Wisconsin. I mean, there's there's some true there's some true good games there. It'll it'll be interesting, um, especially the first time you see a USC team come to a Big Ten team in late November. You know what Ohio State's experienced up in Ann Arbor this past year, so it'll be uh it'll be a cool little dynamic. Talk a little NIL or? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So, where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Let's start here. So, obviously, we all know what's what's happening with the NIL. It's it's almost become. Let's just call it spade a spade. We're call, we're paying players before they step foot on any field at this point. And Harbaugh recently had a a quote that's gone around people are you know interpreting it how they want but Harbaugh basically said we are not going to pay anyone to come to Michigan you come to Michigan and you will get paid handsomely but we will not pay you to come to Michigan Michigan is your payment and I truly understand what he means and I think he means it with the best of intentions. Unfortunately, I don't think it's landing well. What are your opinions on the initial statement that he made? Have you heard that statement? Because this news that I'm saying this to you, or did you hear this? Um, I think I did. Well, what I did, I, I can't, I couldn't, uh, before we went live, I was trying to find it. I, could, I thought a few, like back in spring ball, JJ McCarthy came out and said something about if you come into Michigan, uh, you're coming here for the experience and not for the money or something like that. He did. He actually okay. did say that. He It was actually more lengthy than what you're saying, but it's exactly that. Right. So, um, like we were talking a bit before, before we went on, you know, Michigan is they're more, conser- they're more conservative with how they do things in that sense where – they don't want to have to go out and, and have to uh, boast or I'm going to say boast, but to uh, have to sell the kitchen sink to you. And, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, Michigan's always preached, you know, we're going to make you a great human being, f- husband, father, all these things while being an elite football player. Uh, the only thing that worries me is is they are going to miss out on guys. And right now, if, if anyone is paying attention to recruiting, especially Michigan recruiting, it's not going so well in 2023. They're like in the 50s in terms of rank right now. They've already lost out on a few guys. I think they had one guy decommit. And so we don't know, you know, I don't know all per, like personally if the NIL has things to do with their, their, um, your system, you know, how they're, how they're going about it. But even though I don't like the idea of paying a player, 
millions of dollars before even setting foot on the field. I feel like so- sometimes you have to flex your muscles and and be a little more persuasive. And I think that if they're going to play this game, uh, how they're doing it, they are definitely going to be playing. They're going to be coaching from a little bit behind. And so we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, it, you just, yeah, <laughs> it's just definitely going to be interesting. Before you get too far, I have, I have two statements I kind of want to make. One, I want to ask a question to what you said. So you said right now that Michigan's ranked somewhere in the 50s nationally for 2023. Just to confirm, national signing day for the 2023 class isn't until late December. That's early signing day, correct? Something like that. And then national signing day wouldn't be until almost February? Yeah. So there's definitely time to make up ground, oh, yeah. correct? yeah. Yeah, so nothing's set in stone, though it is alarming that at this point you're that far down, and I believe it ranks 13th in the Big Ten. And especially they, coming off a Big Ten championship season. And, you know, we can go on for hours about this, but the the flirting with the Minnesota Vikings job and creating the rumor for the Raiders spot, I mean, it didn't help him. And, I mean, I'm sure he's kicking himself. I mean, he's not a perfect human being, and we've we grilled him to death uh, being a head football coach uh, before the end of last year, and so obviously turned out turned out well. But um, I I don't I think a lot's got to play into it, and I think that him flirting with the NFL definitely has put them behind the ball. Um, so again, some people are on the, on the fence saying that like, don't worry, wait till signing period's coming up, they'll make up for it because. Or last at least two or three years, Michigan hasn't really come on fire on a hot streak with the the commits till closer to signing day. So again, you're right. We got plenty of time to make up for it. But CJ Carr going to Notre Dame, which you can make an argument. Well, you got JJ McCarthy there and Cade McNamara there. So why is he gonna, you know, play in the hole for two seasons, whatever? But um, I don't know. Well, time will tell, of course. Yeah, I'm glad you brought CJ up. Obviously, everybody's made their comments about that. Personally, I, I if this wasn't an in-state kid, I don't think anybody would be talking about it. Obviously, his his grandfather has ties to Michigan and stuff like that. And then Dante Moore, obviously one that we haven't lost out on, but it doesn't look to be going in our favor any longer. Um, I do want to bring up a quote that Ryan Day said, opposite of kind of what Jim Harbaugh said. Uh, Ryan Day just pretty much flat out came out and said, I need $13 million for NIL this year. What boosters are going to step up? What's your opinion on that? Just flat out saying, I need this amount of money to pay my players this season. Do you like, do you like Harbaugh's approach, Ryan Day's approach, a little bit of both? Where are you at on Ryan Day basically saying, give me $13 million for these kids? I, I kind of like a little bit of both. I like – I understand the – the, the, the values that Harbaugh has, you know, with just over life in general and how he goes about carrying his business um, in terms of being a coach, you know, the whole father, husband, all that stuff. But I also understand that Day is aggressive and he is going to go out there and and get his guys that he wants. You know, he wants to make he wants to make the, the first impression. So. I would personally like my coach to be in, in a little in between there. Now, if I'm Ryan, if I'm a high state fan, whatever, I kind of want Ryan. I mean, I don't think Ryan Day has to go out on on go a beat writer and be like, "Hey, this is this is a story. You want it?" I'm like, he could have just kept that to himself. I mean, whatever. I'm not hating, but 
you know, cool, you know, but uh, I, I, I want, I like that Ryan Day's aggressive, but I also respect um, the thought process and, and the, and the value that, that Harbaugh says, he's like, listen, you know, this is why we want guys to come here. Not because of that. So. Um, so you think this is something that Michigan's just going to have to, they're just going to have to adapt to, or you think this is something they get left behind in, or is this something that maybe we're just going to be late to the party? Where, where are you at with what Michigan's doing? Obviously it sounds okay. Come to Michigan. You will get paid. Like mm. we're, we're Michigan. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm so about that. Like I say that all the time, like we are Michigan. We are the best university in the country, the best football team in the country. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but this school is paying me 5 million. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, like there, there is an aspect to that. So where do you, what do you think? Is this something we're just going to have to adapt to? You think we get left behind or you think this is something that maybe we eventually do or what? Well, um, you know, Michigan does, they did come out and we, we kind of touched on a little bit on the, on the podcast we did um, earlier in the year. Um, they do have a th- the Michigan to come up with a thing called the champion circle where they do have boosters and donors come in f- to generate money to persuade players. I don't know exactly how they do that. I think it's still kind of in, in the birth stage. The problem, uh, the problem, the problem is, I don't know if this isn't a problem. It's a problem for incoming recruits. To my knowledge, it's only accessible to the kids that are on campus. Right, so they're they're doing something, but uh, you got to be here first. The the uh, one of the regents, Jordan Aker. Did I mention this already, or was that in the preview? No, go ahead and go uh, ahead and talk about so, that. So yeah, Jordan Aker uh, is one of the Michigan regents, and he said that quote unquote they will not be dropping bags. So they know that they're not going to go out there and again do that whole here's nine million, come on in. Uh, they don't want Michigan doesn't want to get in those gray areas, and that, and then me personally, like I feel like this is going to be like the wild, wild west. I mean, I was always for players benefiting off themselves, right? Um, but I feel like you have to be careful with it. And again, we've seen high-ranking players fall apart and bust, whether that was on coaching or themselves. I mean, we can look at, you know. Rashawn Gary turned out to be a great Green Bay Packer. If we paid him $10 million to come in here to get that return investment, so to say, he didn't really he didn't pan out. To, to, he honestly didn't live up to his expectation, right? Depending on you ask. Or Derek, like say Derek Green, the five-star running back that Brady Hope was in tears over. If we paid that guy $10 million, holy crap, that would have been such a bad loss. So yeah, I, uh, I mean, Michigan has got something. They don't have nothing, but they got something. Um, but, again, I like Ryan Day's approach in the way at least he's aggressive. So that's a really good point to what you're bringing up. So, basically, we're not going to pay somebody $10 million for them to be a bust. Also, and I think Ohio State kind of dealt with this a little bit with Quinn Ewers, you give said player X amount of money to come to your school. They never take a single snap and they leave on you. Mm. I mean, you, you essentially, what did you pay for? What was your mm. return on investment? Mm. And, or even worse, let, let's just use this as an example. 
you have Tom Brady. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into the archives here. You have Tom Brady on your roster. Okay, solid quarterback, um, veteran leadership, definitely can win you some games. But you're paying this Drew Henson kid because he's from the Yankees. You're paying him a ton of money. You have to play him, right? Even though Brady's better, everybody sees Brady's better. But you want Henson to play because we're paying him all this money. We don't want him to leave for the Yankees. It's just like it's it's one of those things where it's like you're you're getting yourself into such a tough tough slippery slope there thankfully i mean i I haven't seen it yet i think texas is going to have that issue real real soon especially because quinn ewer has already used up his transfer he can't leave so if arch manning takes over that job quinn's kind of screwed yeah what's he gonna pull the the justin fields racist card they called me white like you're you gotta you gotta pull something out of your hat. The only yep. way he could potentially transfer is if he sits a year, mm-hmm. and then at that point, and I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but at that point, let's hypothetically say Quinn Ewers doesn't play, Arch plays, right? So he has the one year at Ohio State, he has the one year at Texas where he's sitting behind Arch, right? And then he decides to transfer. Well, at that point, you're tr- you have to sit out a year. You're going to the NFL. You're not going to another team. Three years removed, right? And now the NFL has to take a shot at a kid that we've never seen play. But we think he's good. <laughs> so it's like NIL can be it can be slippery. And I think we kind of reached that spot. I think it adds a lot of intrigue and there it in my opinion, it's gotta be somewhat good for the sport because Nick Saban doesn't like it. If you remember correctly, Nick Saban hated the spread offense a couple of years ago. That turned out to be pretty good for the sport, if you ask me. So, um, I don't know. Outside of all that, yeah, uh, um, yeah, that's all I got. But yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, the the committing and then leaving. I mean, unless unless in the contract that says you're tied to our school and if you leave, then you don't have the money and then you have to pay us back. I don't know how that works. I mean, I'll, 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 uh, I'll go, I'll go into the archives here before we move on to the next segment. But uh, like uh, this was, uh, I want to say this was probably in the, somewhere in the mid 2010s. There was a, one of the top corner quarterbacks coming out of uh, the country and it was in Indiana, uh, Gunnar Keel. He was like a five-star quarterback commits to Indiana before he even throwing a pass, he then decommits, goes to Louisiana State. Then he decommit, or then he leaves Louisiana State or LSU. Then he goes to Notre Dame. Then he leaves Notre Dame, goes to Cincinnati. Then he goes undrafted to the NFL, whatever. And he's now he's probably bagging groceries like Kurt Warner. So I, again, Wild Wild West. We'll see how how it plays out for sure. And um, I, like I said, man, it uh, there's no regulations or anything going on here. We're already dipping into this Jaden Rashada kid that got paid 9.5 to go to Miami, turned down 11 to go to Florida. It, uh, I'm not comfortable where it's going, unfortunately, but yeah, I'm good there. Gunner Keel. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, only because we're talking NIL and we're talking about uh, recruiting and stuff. I think it's, I think we should bring this up. So Ohio state, obviously um, they've become wide receiver. You, and I think there's a certain name that's responsible for it. 
Brian Hartline. Uh, talk to me about how a random slot receiver who had a solid college career, not yeah. exceptional, not bad, solid, goes to the NFL and has a, I don't know, I, as average of an NFL career as possibly could be, but he goes back to Ohio State and he gets every single wide receiver to sign with him if he just looks at him and twinkles his eye. <laughs> yeah, What's your uh, take here? Uh, Brian Harline, uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about him because, I mean, what's next for him? The the wide receiver U is definitely, definitely in talk, you know, because he, he, he was a graduate, graduate assistant in 2017, then the whole Zach Smith thing happened, and then he kind of, kind of got promoted from there. Um, and under his tutelage, under his recruiting uh, uh, tenure there, I mean, you think of Chris Olave, you think of Gary Wilson, Jack Smith, and Jig was on the roster right now. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Michael Thomas was probably before his time. Michael Thomas was before his time, but um, he had Jamison Williams committed to Ohio State before he transferred to Bama, and he just landed three, uh, or excuse me, four wide receivers for next year's class: two five-star, two four-star. So, whatever Brian Harlan is doing in Ohio State right now is absolutely phenomenal, and. He's got promoted now to the passing game coordinator as well as being still the wide receivers coach. So, you know, my question was like to you or any Ohio State fan, I'm like, when does he get promoted to offensive coordinator? And, you know, I'm not Ohio, not Ohio State fan. So, you know, like, is he okay with just being where he's at now? But I feel like if you're bringing in this much talent, it makes no sense to me to just sit there. I mean, you know, Keep, keep climbing the ladder, and of course, he's a big-time Buckeye, so he may never leave Ohio State, but yeah, he is, he's definitely fishing with dynamite right now. Yeah, if I was Ohio State, and this is, I guess I don't, I'm not like super, super well-versed in this, but I think I'm well-versed enough to understand, like, I don't know why you would redshirt anybody anymore. It doesn't make logical sense. I would play everybody I physically can that gave me a shot to win on that year. I and because truthfully, here's here's what's going to happen. A, you're going to see what you got. B, they're going to ball out. C, they're going to leave early no matter what. Tell me the last stud of any position you can think of that stayed 4 years. I guess Aiden Hutchinson, okay, fine. But outside <laughs> it just doesn't happen. They might grow into that stud. Give me a four-year stud, because even Hutchinson had an injury. Give me a four-year stud, 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 and all of a sudden they're like, wow, we just had that dude for four years. It just doesn't happen. So, like, I don't understand why you're throwing these wedge shirts on these kids. You're bringing in all these five-yard stars? Like, perfect example. Last year, the Buckeyes. Garrett Wilson, first round. Chris Olave, first round. Smith Jigma, fantastic season. As soon as Olave and Wilson sit out, who emerges? Obviously, Ojigba had a great game, but people aren't even talking. Marvin Harrison Jr. scored three TDs. Three. <laughs> three. <laughs> I, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. And they got yep. dudes. They just got dudes coming in all over the place. Sad to see. Oh yeah, for no, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was I was listening to reading something recently that 
you know, last year Ohio State was bottom of the barrel in rushing attempts last season. And it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it because they were blowing everybody out, blowing everybody out until the end of the year. Uh, or the, that last game, right? But no, seriously. And so you think, like, even when you're trying to milk the clock <laughs> out of there with a, a win, you know, milk the clock, whatever, and they're still bottom of the barrel receiving and rushing attempts, but they didn't have to because you just had that bold game. I mean, just pick up where you left off, and it's just everyone's coming out party. And again, again, hats off to Hardline. Uh, just it, it, they are hot with wide receivers right now. And why, why won't you go go to Austin right now? You got a quarterback that just fills in right after the other. It's just reload, and that's all they do. Real quick, Joe. Yeah. Uh, let me look. Can I ask you a little trivia question right now? It's nothing crazy hard. Hit me. All right. So, speaking of Brian Hardline, he got drafted by the Miami Dolphins. Who was his first career touchdown uh, thrown by? Who threw him his first career touchdown? Got to be Chad Henney. Boom. Yeah. Is he? Uh, yeah. He caught his first career touchdown on a two-yard pass from Chad Henney. I just, I just seen that. Whatever. I just thought that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I had a feeling it was Chad. They played together. They played together like three seasons there. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that uh, that a close up shop. Yeah. Um, the, the only other real college news that they, everyone can get excited for is in 2023, EA Sports is reportedly bringing back NCAA football, and now. You don't have to pay some random on the internet or you don't have to, you know, go on Reddit to get the rosters to get uploaded because everyone's name should be in the game. And so that game next year, I bet you sets record numbers. And even though that I think personally, CW 14, the last one that came out is better than any Madden since then. I think this college football game is going to be just absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, you got one, almost exactly one year. And, uh, Everyone will be back on Xbox and PlayStation playing the hell out of this thing. Yeah, I'm hype about it. Definitely hype about it. All right. Well, is that, uh, I think that's a wrap. Absolutely, buddy. Before long, it'll be uh, it'll be time to give our season previews. We'll talk a little bit of Michigan. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit of Ohio State as well. And uh, tell you why Michigan's going to win or lose every game and why Ohio State's going to win or lose every game. So, All right. We out. Go blue. Go blue. Real talk.